you're listening to I Think I Like You, a podcast to help you make more sense of your dating life and romantic relationships. I'm your host, Clara Archbacher. I'm a dating and relationship advisor, I'm a writer, and I'm the founder of I Think I Like You, a coaching practice with self-led online programs, one-to-one coaching, and in-person retreats. I started this work because I found most dating advice and rhetoric to be doing women a grand disservice, largely by pulling us out of ourselves and stuffing our brains with other people's ideas and best practices. I want to do the exact opposite. I want to bring you more deeply into yourself in order to navigate this area of your life. I don't view marriage or long-term relationship as the be-all and all. That's not why I do this work. I do this work because I'm extremely passionate about helping women who feel completely stuck in this area of their life and are disenchanted with other resources from traditional therapy to BS, here's how you meet the guy plans. They know there has to be another way, but they're not sure what that way is. That's where we're digging in. If you like what you're hearing, I invite you to head to ithinkilikeyou.co to access more free resources and explore ways to work with me. I also send out exclusive content every other week through my online newsletter. And finally, you can always rate and review or pass the podcast to a friend. Now let's get to the episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode. I am... I'm really excited to dig into today's conversation. It's very much a conversation. It's not an interview. And I'll give you a little background on why that is. Danny Beinstein, incredible psychological astrologer, was on the podcast a couple months back. I really, I mean, what is time? At some point earlier this year, excuse me. And when we had last recorded, I will link to that episode in the show notes. It was a really popular episode we had checked in and said like, yeah, let's do this again later this year. When makes sense, when makes sense. We were thinking late August, early September. That's what she had reflected back to me in in terms of what was going to be going on astrologically in 2023. So we'd settled there. And then a few weeks back, I was noticing such a radical consistency in my clients and ultimately myself. And I'll explain what I mean by that in a second but such a radical consistency in something major that was coming up in their lives, across their lives, not just in the space of dating and relationships that I was like, what is going on here? (laughs) Like this feels like it's something greater. It's something more macro. It's something happening in the collective. You will hear Danny refer to it many times as a greater sea change. I love that that terminology. And she's going to go into in this episode, you know, based on what I shared with her, she was like, yep, yep, yep. I see it. Here's what's going on and why. But before we get into that, I want to give y'all a little background on the pattern that I was seeing. So I primarily work with women in their mid to later thirties, sometimes on the, the earlier side of the thirties or into the early forties. But The sweet spot is really into that mid to late 30s. And so much of the work too lands us in career because so much of the work that I do is around alignment, really embodying, returning to the authentic self. And so we're not just looking at dating and relationships, we're looking at all facets of one's life. And I tend to work with women who have very, how do I want to say this? Their career is important. Their career is important and it's been positioned that way from a young age, whether it was doing well in school, you know, excelling in certain extracurriculars, getting into good schools, performing, achieving in a certain way, and then building a career and landing good 
jobs and that's all well and good. But a lot of that patterning, and, and this is where I say, I relate and I'm feeling the shift too, relates to conditioning. And there can be a way in which what that very achievement-oriented path gets us down is away from who we actually are. Not always, but often. And that was the greater pattern I was seeing. And what I went to Danny and said was like, all of these clients, (laughs) and at any point I'm working with between eight to 10 women, and the number of them that were going through radical career shifts was like, I was like, something is going on here because I'm not just having all of these women who have operated in a certain way for years be like, I need to step back from the big job. I need to step back from the corporate ladder. I cannot go on in this way. So that's what brought me to Danny. And before recording, we kind of riffed on, okay, she was like, what's, what are you, you know, what's at the core? What are you really seeing here? And I said, you know, it's really like the ultimate death of a good girl, the breaking in radical ways from societal parental conditioning, whatever type of conditioning and dropping more into the body, dropping into the feminine. And like I said, she is going to give us the what and the why behind why we're seeing that collectively as a society. And even if you have no interest in astrology, astrology is one element when she talks about the planets in relation to what's going on here, but it gets very historical. We're looking at, you know, things that happened back in 2008. We're talking about things that happened during the French revolution. So it's, it's a really, I was, my jaw was on the floor many times in this conversation. And you'll hear me say like, there are a couple of lines she drops where I'm like, oh, and it just like hits me dead between the eyes. And there's also been this element that's something else I shared with her too before recording of this like no going back for these women that I see making these big shifts. And it's not like they're saying like, I've been doing, I've been doing this for so long and now I want to jump to this or I've been on this path and now I know exactly what I want to do in the other direction. It's this like, I have been going down this road And I have been fighting it and fighting it and telling myself it's going to get better or telling myself it's going to feel good or just doing it to appease others or doing it because the packaging looks good. But like, I cannot anymore. Like the jig is up. I cannot do it. And even external to clients and in my DMs and my conversations with people and podcast feedback and that kind of stuff, whether people are listening to the podcast or watching my stories or, you know, getting my emails or what have you. What I also get there is a real consistent energy of like, I am being pushed to my brink. Like people are being pushed to their brink. And I very much sit side by side in that regard. But it's not in such a negative sense that that being pushed, that being pushed to the edge, things falling off, things not working out, things that you leaned on before, whether it was a type of work or a type of community or certain friendships or certain ways of being like, it's just not working anymore. And you kind of can't ignore it. That ultimately is a good thing. You know, this is one of the skills that I work the most to foster in my life, because even though there's so much good in my life and so much that is happening, that is really so in alignment with who I am and feels like a real accomplishment 
there's some big stuff that I want to bring into the world that I want to have happen. There are things that I want for my life. There's a way I want my life to look, not from an egoic sense, but like the life I want to build for myself. And so very naturally in the process of going after those things, I am being presented with obstacles that I have to overcome in order to be the person that's going to get those things. So what that's looked like in the last two weeks in a just very (laughs) bare bone sense is like, I am being triggered constantly. One of my big triggers is messing things up in the kitchen, like having a meal not turn out the way that I want it to, having something not come out. And I always know that I'm, I'm, I'm like, working through stuff or just in it, if like my reaction to what's happening in the present is, I mean, it's just so much more dramatic. We've talked about it. Like if it's hysterical, it's historical. Let's just say (laughs) there may or may not have been a temper tantrum by burning some chicken wings a few weeks back. And when those things happen, when I, you know, go through the proverbial ceiling on my mood, I know that there is other stuff at play and that the way in which I'm being triggered, even if it's showing up in different ways, whether it's like my partner mirroring something back to them, burning the food, having something be off with a client, having something not work out, having there there be an issue. Like it can be everyday stuff too. It can be in the logistical and it can be in the like, oh, they were out of that at the grocery store or I'm stuck in traffic or whatever it may be. Even though they're manifesting in different ways, they look different from the outside looking in. They all hold the same theme of the ways I am being pushed in order to garner more of my strength, find more um, equilibrium in my body, like to be able to self-regulate and self-soothe at a higher capacity. And even though I'm saying all this and I see it all and I'm like, yes, yes, yes. I see the purpose. I see, <laughs> I don't know. If, I don't see the end of the tunnel yet, the light at the end of the tunnel, but I do see the the long road there. It's still really hard to be in it. I'm sharing that with you all because one, I think a lot of people are there and two, it can be really lonely when you're in it. I have done so much work and 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 studied so much and practiced so much to be able to arm myself to move through these sticky points these periods of upheaval in life because I do want to go on and do and accomplish all of the things that I want in this life but I know it comes on the other side of really working through a bunch of my old conditioning working through ways that I continue to show up and are just not both serving me and the people around me and and directed towards the life that I want to build. Um, so that, because I could talk forever about this stuff, but that on a collective level is where I, I feel for myself. And I see other people being really pushed to their edge, pushed to their brink. And if you're listening to this and you're like, I relate to the energy, but I'm not sure if it's the same thing. No, it can look like anything. It can look like something happening within your family. It can look like something happening within your job. It can look like something happening within your body or your home environment or something like it. It just cannot, it's a vibe of like, I cannot go on in this way anymore, or things cannot go on in this way anymore. Like something has to change. And maybe that change has been bubbling and boiling for months or years. And now it's like, 
okay, something has to happen. So that is what I was seeing collectively with clients. That is an experience I'm having myself (laughs) in relation to my own personal life and evolution. Um, And so that's why I reached out to Danny and I was like, what the fuck is going on here? So that is very much what today's conversation is about. It was incredibly grounding and affirming. Like we, we did this uh, last Friday. I, I, we were recording between four and five Eastern, which I normally don't do calls on a Friday afternoon, but it's when it worked. And I was like, I'm going to make this work. And I have to tell you, after I ended that recording, I felt like all of the stress had drained from my body. And I just was like, okay, I can do this. So I hope that's what you get from today's episode. And if you have questions, thoughts, all the things, shoot me a DM. I foresee Danny being a veteran guest in many ways. Um, if she is willing, which I think she, <laughs> she is because we really do have a great time together. So enjoy this one, y'all. If you are in it, I see you, I feel you, I hear you and feel free to give a shout out on Instagram. Um, if you just want to be like, yep, me too, raise the red flag. Um, we can commiserate together. Oh, I know what it was. I'm like dancing around the ending here and then I'm going to let y'all go and get to the episode. I posted this to Instagram the other day, but I'm going to pull it up right now. It was, hold please. I had to find my phone where I took a lovely screenshot of the, uh, of the, uh, whatchamacallit of this quote was from Sarah Blakely. And this really, to me, resonated with what I was feeling and I thought was appropriate for this episode. So Sarah Blakely, Blakely, not Blankly, Sarah Blakely is the founder of Spanx. So she wrote, dark times are really fertile ground for change. This has been true for me more times in my life than I can count. Something about being at rock bottom inspires you to look up. Where can I go from here? anywhere. Some of the world's greatest inventions and innovations happened when someone was at their own rock bottom. My success with Spanx included. In fact, some of my life's greatest moments and breakthroughs happened after getting buried. If you find yourself in a dark place, you may actually be sprouting the roots you need to blossom. That hit home so much for me. And I want to make clear that when we hear the term rock bottom, we can often think of like, losing a job, a death in the family, um, a big fight with a sibling, a relationship breaking down. You know, I have a, you know, my own personal life, I'll I'll use myself as an example. My relationship is growing and strengthening and my job, my work, what I'm doing with, I think I like you is growing, but on an emotional level, like my internal world and the things that I'm having to work through in order to get to that next level are all getting kicked up. So a, a rock bottom can be, and I would, I want to credit Lacey Phillips work with this. It, it doesn't just happen when it's sort of tangible physical events, right? Like a breakup. That's a really common one that we can think of. If you find yourself emotionally triggered, triggered, triggered over and over and over again, that can also be indicative. Like I feel like in the last few weeks, I've just been like, I'm up and then I'm down and then I'm up and then I'm down. And all of that sediment and stuff is getting kicked up for me to deal with, but it's like, I'm swallowing a lot of seawater in the process. So I just wanted to highlight that in relation to that quote. I will link to that from Sarah Blakely. I really love that one. Okay. on to the episode, y'all have a beautiful week. So Danny, when we last recorded, which I want to mm-hmm. say, I mean, like, what is time? I'm going to say it was like March, but it's not so that long ago. Don't hold me to it. <laughs> not that long ago. Um, 
but at that time we had like loosely discussed like yeah, let's do this again there's more to discuss here uh what makes sense astrologically in terms of looking down the pike at the rest of 2023 and we had settled on like the august september time frame which whether we get into it or not i think that you had identified that as being like an opportune time to check in yeah. um but flash forward or sort of rewind to a few weeks ago I started to notice, and I'm sure you've had this experience too, where I remember before I started doing this work, before I started coaching and teaching and guiding in this way, I remember having a mentor say to me, like, you're really going to see yourself mirrored in your clients. Yes. And and I was like, well, yeah, obviously people (laughs) are mirrors. Okay, fine. Um, But I didn't really understand the depth of that. Mm -hmm. And And then the other thing that started to happen was the consistencies across them. And over the years, those have just become more like the similar, like it's so strong. The similarities are so strong. And that probably has more to do with how I've refined as a coach and who I'm serving and all that kind of stuff. The reason I came to you was because I was like, there's not only this consistency across clients, Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I'll say that a, a lot of that was housed in these major, major career transitions. Like mm-hmm. at any point in time, I have like eight to 10 women kind of mm-hmm. in my purview, but I was like, everyone's leaving their job. <laughs> yeah. And we're talking like people in their later thirties, mm-hmm. very much this sort of the, the, the good girl, the rule follower, yeah. uh, the, this was my path and, yeah. and so stepping off that. Mm-hmm really, really significant. And with that comes, um, a tremendous amount of, let's say inner child and shadow. So that that's what I was like, what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> Cause this is happening. And, um, does it make sense to, to talk sooner? So I kind of want to pass the baton to you. Um, and then I, I feel like we can go in a million different directions, but sort of Um, does that give you enough to ground into? Oh, for sure. So I think, I think the reason for that, and I I've seen it too, but I'm going to place the major reason for that on Pluto. So 2008 Pluto moves into Capricorn. I think we discussed this last time. It takes 248 years to grow in the Zodiac. It deals with transformation from the inside out, not fast transformation necessarily, but a deeply felt change. And where Pluto is hitting in our chart is very personal. When it hits a point or a planet, it's going to groove over it several times, usually about a three-year transit. So Pluto uh, had moved into Aquarius early in the year. And then is retrograding, retrograded back and then retrograded in June, just when you reached out back into Capricorn. And it's kind of finalizing its day into Capricorn in, in January, I believe it's January 24th. It'll make its way back to Aquarius. But when we deal with Capricorn, there is some of that good girl stuff, right? There's definitely the, these are the structures. These are the parameters. This is the, the way that Capricorn has been modernized is this is the ladder of success, right? This is status. This is how I define myself. These are the structures and parameters. We saw with 2008 that 
we had the Wall Street crash. Pluto moves into Capricorn, right? We have the Great Recession. It's followed by a Me Too movement. It's followed by, you know, wherever you fall on the political spectrum, uh, that there is a clearly a uh, growing distrust with the powers that be and the institutions that be, and that is rising up from the bottom. The last time Pluto was in Capricorn was the Declaration of Independence. The Revolutionary War was really when Pluto was in Aquarius, followed by the French Revolutionary War. Both very similar themes of the establishment out of touch, making decisions for people. The way that that's been internalized on an individual level is those who have outsource their identity and their power to preconceived ideas of structure and the establishment and institutions, you know, an example would that be is like uh, someone who defines himself of having gone to Ivy league schools and then like working at black rock or something like, you know, financial institutions or any of these big corporate monoliths. Like my identity is that I am one of the chosen few that's in the C-suite at one of these institutions or that I, you know, that kind of thing. So Pluto's backtracking into Capricorn. And the thing about Pluto and Capricorn, the final kind of stretch is, have I consolidated my losses? Like, have I, or am I like clinging to, am I maybe bad analogy with what happened this past weekend or week or whatever. But, uh, am I, am I, am I clinging to the Titanic? Mm. Like this thing is going down. And so what's Mm -hmm. happened is that people are like, okay, I can't deny it anymore. There's a sea change in the collective. I think for, uh, a lot of women, it's been, uh, since the feminist revolution. Okay. I'm going to define my independence or my sense of security is that I become the man that I was seeking. Mm-hmm. Right. Or was taught mm-hmm. to seek. Right. Yes. So my security yeah. is going to come from my own climbing the corporate ladder, not from marrying someone and being financially dependent. There is a pendulum swing back mm-hmm. in our culture that counterculture is now a more traditional Married, not married, but the idea that uh, I don't, I don't want that. I'm exhausted by it. The, the climbing, yeah, yeah, the climbing, yeah. exactly. Yeah. But the, then to your point, there's a like not to but like no. there is a subsequent, I would say, fallout is the term that comes to mind. But but I but I hear you, and then I that that feminist resolution or revolution, excuse me, and the outcome of that where it was like. I'm just going to push so hard in my masculine. Yes. Energetically, I think that's part of the depletion where it's like I, I'm, I'm, I'm getting nothing. I'm, 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 I'm empty in a sense. And the emptiness right. could come from the nature of the work. The emptiness could come from the climbing. But um, that's so right. So if you look at like Eastern traditions and Eastern religion, there's this real sense of balance, right? In nature, there's balance in the world. And what's happened in, in, I'll talk about American society, because I could talk about, you know, other Western nations, but in American society, there has been, the pendulum has swung 
uh, very strongly to the masculine. Mm-hmm. If, right, if you even take like women who've chosen a path of being a stay-at-home mom, but then they've um, brought a masculine energy to the PTA, right? A hierarchical, or they brought a masculine energy to mothering. Like I'm a better mother because I do X, Y, and Z. And in this case, masculine may not be the correct, but that hierarchical, that status, right? Mm-hmm. That And very active in the doing, like the achieving, the right. measurable. Yeah. Right. So you know how there were all those sweatshirts and t-shirts that the future is female? Yeah. Right. So I think that is a, because uh, it's like, okay, just because someone looks like a woman on the outside, they could have the masculine energy, right? So the idea of like feminine energy and not, not the pendulum swinging all the way to feminine energy and there being no masculine, but the real kind of balance. And we haven't had a balance. So it's about women who have maybe gone beyond integrating the masculine within them Mm. and are now saying like, hold on, hold on. I mean, so many of my clients are women who have been in the corporate world and are wanting to leave, have just left and are like, I'm, I'm going through this major shift in my consciousness and how I relate to the world. And, you know, if dating, how I relate uh, to others and all of that is going through a sea change. And I, I never like to pin something on, on one transit, but I think that's where it's really showing up. The other place that it's really showing up is that Saturn has moved into Pisces Mm. and Saturn just went retrograde like for the first time in Pisces. Yeah. Um, right around the new moon Okay, on the 17th. Uh, so Saturn retrograding is going to bring Saturnine qualities around. Now here's the thing that's really uh, interesting to note is that Capricorn is actually a feminine sign. But it's been masculinized because Saturn, which rules it, is known as father time. And we think of it as a structure. But that structure is a brittle creation. It's a, it's a, it, it doesn't exist naturally. If you look at Capricorn at its core, what it really represents is the feminine natural cycle of the earth. Mm. Right. But it's come to mean like, because so many people associate with status that's, Oh, that's masculine and hierarchical, but it's really like the deep wisdom of knowing about rises and falls and the cyclical nature of things. And that, uh, Mm. you know, the superimposition of the human mind onto that says, okay, this is what this person is secure. This person isn't secure according to what and whom. So there's an interesting, so Saturn, so Pisces is the unseen world, the mystical, and Saturn is the seen world, the physical world. So Saturn in Pisces is starting to give some structure to the, um, uh, the formless, mm. giving form to the formless. So now women are like, this stuff has been brewing. Mm-hmm. I need to create new structures to support these inner transformations that have taken hold. Can I, yeah. And, and on that, can I give you sort of two yes. sort of patterns, but everyday examples, it's almost like an overlay on this because yes. that like they get at the core of what you're saying, which are 
The first is just going back to the last time this happened in 2008 with um, the fall of Wall Street and that type of thing. Not the last time. It's when this started. Oh, my apologies. Yes. So when it started, Um, so many of these women where I see them making the massive change, like they're around like 37, 38. So that's the North Node return. Right when they graduated. Yeah. Or entered the workforce around that time. Um, so that's the first direction we could look at, but then what's interesting is that for the women I see that are perhaps a few years younger, the women that are more in their later thirties, early forties, they're not even, I don't find myself talking to them about the, the type of work they want partnered. It's like, that's, that's already kind of moved its way through the system. But the women on the earlier end are like. I don't want the wall street guy. Mm -hmm. I don't want the lawyer, but I, I also want the, they're still clinging to that, that stability. Uh, That lifestyle that brings uh, a certain affluent lifestyle. Security, this, mostly the security piece of thing that like responsibility security, but they're very much like, I want an involved male. I want an involved partner. And they too are finding themselves in these positions where they're they're very much in these high-level corporate positions. So on the beginning end of the spectrum, the people like 38, 39, they're like, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> I'm out. I got to make the change. Or they're stepping back drastically from work and being like, I just don't need to climb this corporate ladder anymore. The people a few years before them are like, no, I'm still climbing and I'm good. But... I want a certain kind of partner and, and the identity, the male identity of that is still Mm -hmm. a struggle to them because, well, because they're not seeing the man as a human being. They're seeing it as an extension of who they want themselves Mm. to be seen as. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Cause what they're not saying is I want to fall in love with someone and that love to be depthful sustainable. Um, I want, I, I want whoever is the right fit for me. That's not what they're saying. That's what I'm hearing. What I'm saying is I want this person Mm -hmm. and I want, I was guilty as charged. Yeah. And it's a, um, and this security, it feels like not to interrupt you, but there's something about if I can, can, if I can put it together in this way, I can control it. Which is the biggest fallacy of all. Right. Of course. Of course. <laughs> right. But that's the, that's, that is the shadow side of what the manifestation culture has become over the past decade and a half, two decades mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. I can catalog a human being. I can like, and that's, I can say, oh, I want this exactly. And uh, it's a, it's, I'm just going to call it, it's false. Yeah. Because it's not rooted in, you talk to people who are older, I'm 42, right? My sisters are 52 and about to be 50. Most of my friends are actually in their 50s. But if you talk to people who are older beyond that, you talk to people in their 60s and yeah. 70s, the amount, the, when 
they'll talk about their life. There, there is an awareness that life has a agenda all its own. Mm. And this idea of I'm going to control it seems preposterous because it's hubris. It's not humility. And what we've lost as a culture is humility and the idea of, I don't know. And what is, what is this world here to teach me? Mm. The, what's happened is that, and I am a capitalist, I'm not a welfare capitalist, which is what we are in right now, which is that it's not a, it's not a fair shot. Like a small business owner doesn't have the same shot because of conglomerates, right? And yep. the conglomerates keep getting bailed out and there's that whole thing. Right. So when I say I'm a capitalist, I'm like, a, like the idea that someone should be able to create something, lend, put it in the marketplace. If it sells, if it resonates, et cetera, there's an, a financial exchange for that, right? But what's happened is that the capitalist, uh, consumerist model has applied itself to every avenue of life. And there's no actual wisdom in that. No. And I'm, I am finding that, and I know you, you're, you know, well beyond this ex- experience, but when you're witnessing someone in it, it's like the the dance, right? Of how yep. you lead them there, but to to drop this on so, you know, it's like they, it has to. It's a becoming, but there's a hollowness to life. There's this like they're always thirsty or they're always hungry. Or they're always trying to plug some hole or fill the gap or gain something. Um, but it's because the the things that to, to your point around elders or mm-hmm. I even I even see it you know to the to the people and not just the women that I work with but when I see whether it's peers or people hit that mark where they're like yeah I just I don't need to fight for this anymore oh yeah and that's the that's the that is the waking up not I can control everything and you know give it this outcome because also this comes back to humility and faith which is that God, spirit, universe, the world is smarter mm-hmm. and has a wisdom all its own. And, you know, none of us is getting out here alive. There is, so the, the need to control is ultimately the idea that I don't, I have a negative relationship to the unknown or there hasn't been a dance with the unknown. Mm. Yeah. Right. And I'm not saying like having intention or be purposefulness, but magic in life, real magic is like someone visiting their aunt in a in a state they don't normally go to and they go to pick up something from their aunt and their soulmate walks up to them. Yes. And yeah. they have an, a, have an experience with that individual that opens and awakens them or they get a job, you know, an opportunity somewhere they hadn't expected. And then just moving to that place transforms them. The job was just the gateway. It's like, there is a cosmic curriculum 
Mm-hmm. There is an earth Ooh, curriculum. I love that. So it's like, it, it, it's hubris to think that we can arrange the world to satisfy our need. And by the way, that is why so many people are depressed and anxious because it's a futile exercise. And once we move into gratitude, there are some losses that we'll experience in life that will be with us for the rest of our life. You know, there is evil in this world. There is tragedy. There is joy. There is love. There is hate. There is, once we recognize that like the world isn't ours to fix into our idea of it, Mm -hmm. that's where, that's where we really mature. It's like that, um, the 12 step prayer, God well, grant me the what serenity it, to know the Grant thing. me the serenity, right, to change, to change the things I can, to what, let go of the things I can't, and the wisdom to know the difference, something yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. Right? That idea, it's like, I'm seeing, a, I've talked about this a lot um, with Saturn and Pisces. I talked about it a lot before Saturn and Pisces, but I am seeing it, that there is a desire to return to faith. Not just spirituality that's about attainment, but humility, grace, a container, containers or community based on just the sharing of soul, of wanting to build back up faith and resilience and uh, community and Anywhere you look around the world, all the studies that's been, that have been done, those are the keys to happiness. Yeah. So this idea of like, I want this person because it's going to look good or it's going to sa- I I can step back, but I still need my foot in it because mm-hmm. that's security and safety. Uh, that's a choice, but what happens if that doesn't happen? Well, and in a very sort of like material sense, it's when, when, when people are butting up against this, I mean, that's, that's where, that's where the struggle is. That's, that's yeah. where the, the dis-ease, whether it be in a professional environment or a romantic environment, like there isn't flow. No, exactly. Like nothing's coming. Um, and, and what is coming is reflecting back to them, the fears and insecurities they already have that what right. they want isn't available to them or um, the sort of whatever fear they have around a potential mate or a, not even just men, but just really just like a like partnership uh, and that in general, which in many ways comes back to like a loss of self and a, and a lack of control. Right. So um, yeah, yeah, that, that, that's, that's how it, that's how it presents. And, and I think to your original point around, um, it being hubris, but also, and I, I'm curious where you think we we stand on this because it's like I think to what you were saying earlier on a coming back, like the pendulum swinging in the other direction. I 
very much see in, in, in myself. And it sort of grows day by day by day, how much my relationship is not just my teacher, but like this, um, this grand evolution of self. It's like a journey I have to choose to go on or, or not. Yep. And there are parts of it there are, that are beautiful. Mm -hmm. And, and I'm really speaking independently of my, my husband, but there are parts of it where it's like forcing me to look at elements of myself that I know lead to how like my soul's journey uh, but it's not for the faint of heart. <laughs> yes. So, and I think, I yeah, think mm -hmm. that's the thing that it's like, remember the movie notebook uh -huh. that was like all the, it's like, we love these stories. Mm -hmm. We love like Titanic, the movie of like the, the uppity girl, you know, who, who is taken yes. by, or this right by someone who's more salt of the earth. We love them. And but we but don't we want it. For <laughs> right. We don't. There's, there's like a, a pushback to that. And again, that kind of man is not right for everybody, but there is something about, you know, real love stories are inconvenient. And I think that, Oh, oh my God. Like on that. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that that is, we are as a, as a culture, we have, thrown away romanticism in favor of extreme practicality. And again, like, you know, loneliness, anxiety, wine momming, like, and I don't say that in judgment. It's just like, because yeah. like you said, you can't fulfill that inner thing. And I don't know for me, every, cause I do think media is powerful. Right. And like every love story that I grew up on and that I loved was inconvenient. Every single one that I think of, of like movies in the eighties and nineties. And it was always this, it's interesting because it played out for me. It was always this more like erudite urban woman yeah. who fell for this like farmer, rancher, yeah. you know, <laughs> even like Julia Ormond and Brad Pitt in, <laughs> in Legends of the Fall. Like, that was always the story. And then I lived out, I'm living out that story, but the reality of it, I mean, just like you, I come up against it. And I'm not saying that everybody's supposed to do my story. I'm just saying that if you look at like the love stories through time, they're almost always inconvenient or challenging at the core or pull us out. And so as a culture, where can you think of a like truly romantic movie in the past 15, 20 years? No, it's why I keep watching eighties and nineties films. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so it's like, you think of those that are kind of coming up. It's like, right. Media is powerful. And what are I, the only thing I can kind of think of is like 50 shades of gray, but he was a billionaire because that's the thing that we value right. in our culture. So I always think but of there was that element of kink, which like, yes, you know, so to the extreme, to the, to the, um, pol polarization. Yes. But people watch that and they were like, I'll read it, but I, I could never except, I mean, I, I, I think there are that, that could, but like, but yeah, it's still, it's outside of me. It's outside. Yes. But it's still like someone who's, you know, tortured, but it's okay because they're a billionaire. Meaning if he right. was a bartender 
that would not have taken off. No, you're absolutely right. There's like this, this cleanliness to like, right. oh, okay, you can have this room in your apartment because there's all this other stuff that checks the box on your social capital, if you will. You're a 20 something year old billionaire, et cetera. But if you actually, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of renege on what I said, because I'm just, as I'm thinking, it's like Yellowstone is the most power is the most popular show on television. I did not know that. Which is alt, really about like the central love story of Beth and Rip. It's like he yes. is a cowboy and Kevin Costner is a cowboy, right? And if you, I've always wanted someone and maybe I should just do it myself because I, I haven't had any, I, I always thought there would be like succession versus Yellowstone and an exploration of that, like comparing them. But that and then, I think the most popular show on Netflix, or at least one of them that's continually is Virgin River. Uh-huh. And she moves to a small yeah, she like yeah. because people are starving for love stories and people getting together where there is actually a soulfulness. Yeah. I mean, I this is phenomenal. I didn't intentionally land my, I didn't say I'm going to pursue this thing. I didn't say that because I think you also spoke to balance yeah. and I, I see so much when it comes to the energy and the nature of an individual and that, that balance that maybe you would say that yin and yang. Um, my husband is, is com- completely um, in that. I wouldn't I'm like, what example I'm going to use here, but it's like when I was like in, you know, college and then mm-hmm. going DC to work in consulting, he was like, I'm going to become a horse wrangler and yeah. kind of thing. <laughs> you know, and had we met at that time, I would have been like, well, you are very irresponsible. <laughs> Probably smoke too much pot. Um, yeah. But now it's like, oh my God, here's this embodied man for the woman that is completely, completely in her head. And there's yeah. so many other examples I could give, but I, I know you right. get that. Yeah. So I think that there is, I think that a lot of people, women are waking up to the false promises of quote unquote security and the corporate world and who and what am I doing this for? And, you know, if I love my life and I feel fulfilled, I probably don't need all the extra stuff that that paycheck would bring me. Mm -hmm. Because I almost think of it as when you have two individuals climbing Mm -hmm. and it's like they're both working to fill the same hole. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, I, to me, then it's like either the, the, the mom overworks or Mm -hmm. she just drives herself into her career and like, doesn't become, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think of it. Fleischman is in trouble. Oh, a a big one here, right? That That performance by Claire Danes, it's like needs to win. And I mean, I I don't, I, so much of the those award shows are rigged, but that performance in whatever that seventh, eighth episode. Yeah. She's extraordinary. 
Yeah. I mean, I, I'm curious your thoughts on this. Um, and I guess for the sake of like, we've made all these media references. People are like, what are they talking about? But they um, might, they, they might want to watch them all now, you know, they might want to watch them, but we'll just say with, with Yellowstone, right. Mm-hmm. It's very much, it's like, basically you have like a cowboy and then like a very sort of elite. How would you, how would you describe that sort of, you know, well, like, she's a ball busting corporate woman. Yes. Right. But I mean, she beats her own drum and soften. she is, yeah. yes. Or I'm not even sure if she softens because she, she does in moments. Yeah. She is a character. Well, maybe with that guy. <laughs> exactly. But there is just this, um, just this feeling of her being matched in a different, being seen. He sees her. Yes. That. He that. sees her and he, 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 lets her be who she is. And that's really the thing. I think a lot of these men, as they're portrayed in media, who are closer to the land, they see to the heart of whatever the situation is or the woman rather than getting, because they're caught up in the game. They then see the woman through that perspective as well. And this is not every guy. I mean, I, I, I grew up in New York city and I'm sure most of my graduating class is on wall street. So that is, that is the world I grew up in. And that was never going to work for me. I tried, it was never going to work for me. So I understand what I'm saying is also like my journey, but I think there's a lot of different versions of this because it can be the guy who has the security, but if he doesn't see you, yeah. And was it matter? Right. Well, I mean, ultimately I've, it's interesting. My work has started to spread into working with women who are later into their marriages mm. and to fall in the early to mid forties. And they got married in the late twenties or the early. Ah, 30s. What are you seeing? Well, <laughs> they're waking up to who they actually are. Mm-hmm. That usually is prompted by, they, they, they come to me with this, I'm unhappy and I think I want to leave or end, yes. but I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's interesting is when I start working with them, I'll say to them, I'm not here to tell you what to do with your marriage. Yeah. And they can find that a little jarring, but it's like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm here to bring you back to yourself. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure you've known her since age seven. Yeah. But, um, but that's, <laughs> that's what we're here to do. And you're going to get answers through that. Um, and so, yeah, to so that point of being seen, is that, um, I mean, that it's like, it doesn't matter how much money is in the bank. It doesn't matter if mm-hmm. you have the, the summer home or all the cars, mm-hmm. but boy, if that person does not see you, mm-hmm. it's, it's like, there's no oxygen in the room. So I have had similar situations. Um, I'm thinking of three or four women in particular, four women in particular, and in each of those cases, there was that impulse to leave. But once they really discovered themselves and really shifted, their husbands met them. Yes. And I should have prefaced that. By yes. Her, but yeah, no, which totally. is also, that's also a possibility. I it's think that it can redirect. go, yes, yeah. it can go a million different ways. I've also had people who were like, I have to leave, you yeah. know, but I think, and I'm the same way. It's like, I can't, I'm just going to, we're going to work on reflecting you back to you and bringing you back to you. Cause it all starts with that. 
anyway. But I do, this all speaking to astrologically, we are in a sea change. And a lot of people, clients who were born in the 80s, 90s, grew up in the 90s, grew up in the 2000s, where there was this like exponential financial growth among a certain sector. Yeah. And this hyper focus on the girl boss and achievement, et cetera. That is, that is all late stage capitalism that is collapsing. And I don't say that, like I said, I'm not a socialist. I'm I'm actually not a socialist or a Marxist at all, but it's, we've lost. So we've lost touch with capitalism. Like we, it's all gone run amok and the sea change is coming. And I don't know what that's going to look like. Like it's a different era than, you know, the seven, the late 1700s. So I don't know what that looks like, but I think there is a knowing that, okay, as things have been going, they can't continue. Mm-hmm. And that's showing up in individual lives. How did you weather, because you spoke to this and you may have spoken to it before, right? But you, but you did grow up in New York city. You, yeah. you did grow up in a certain environment and, and, um, uh, was it easier for you to say like, this is just not right for me to have a, a life or a marriage that looks a certain way? Or did you wrestle with that? No, I tried. Mm-hmm. I tried, I tried <laughs> to date all those men and I'm just not capable of, I don't like getting dressed up. I don't like, um, I don't like wearing make a ton of makeup or makeup. I don't like having to look or present a, a certain way. I'm, I'm a bit, um, uh, I, I'm a bit untamable. Mm. Uh, and I'm intellectually will challenge almost anyone. And I tried but even I felt the men who were drawn to me, they couldn't, the, the feedback I got from a women, older women around all the men that I want to be with is they don't know what to do with you. That is what I heard over and over and over again. They don't know what to do with you as if I were something that needed to be handled. But I was not as a child, I was not rebellious. I was like a teacher's pet. I was a goody two shoes. I was um, I asked for extra homework during recess, which my partner can knock it over. It's a true story. Like I was, I was good in every way, but it wasn't a, that was authentic to me, but I love to read. I love to do those things and they were rewarded in the world that I was in. And then as I got older and puberty hit and I was, I was very girly. So it's not like I was like a tomboy that then had to dress up, but I just was like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that, but I wanted the security. I wanted the financial security and I wanted my dad to like who I chose. You know, Uh I wanted that. Right. And it wasn't in the cards for me because I was unwilling to become someone I'm not. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, 
That's really the truth. The harder thing for me was, am I really going to be an astrologer? Like, is that what I'm going to do? Like, is that, (laughs) and my work is, is very feminine. It's so intellectual. It is, but it's also like I nurture people, right? So it's that. It's like I found my own kind of niche, but I am not, you know, I am not about like rising the ranks. I'm just like, I show up and who shows up and I want to be in counsel towards those who are looking for guidance um, that I have to offer. But I was, ne- I was never comfortable in anything that felt cutthroat, anything that felt, I just do my own thing, you know, but any of that energy and this is my experience. So this is not a, my experience of a certain sector of the affluent world is cutthroat and competitive mm-hmm. women and men. It, it never worked for me. I was like, see ya. So I went down to the East village and I hung out with, um, in a cafe in the East village. I've talked about this a lot, but it changed my life. And I was surrounded by artists, musicians, actors, some of who are, have become like wildly famous, um, uh, trans performers, like just, uh, really people who beat to their own drum and they were all older than me. And I was at NYU, but I had an apartment in the East village and this cafe, which was called Chow for now changed my life and my worldview completely. And I was just like, well, they're just who they are. Mm-hmm. And they're, that's just who they're going to be in the world. And they're artists and creators. And I was like, I think I'm a writer, but I don't know. And, you know, one person at the cafe was like, I feel like you're Dorothy Parker. Cause I would just like ask people all the, and like, you know, I loved poetry and theater and all of that, but I didn't have, uh, I, so I wasn't willing. And then I moved to LA and that's when I was like, Oh, I'm 25. I'm moving to LA. I'm working at a law firm. I should probably, you know, this may be the kind of guy that I should actually be with Mm. and fell for a entertainment attorney, 14 years, my senior, who was a legendary playboy. And it was a mess. And very toxic and I wouldn't let it go. And that led me into my thirties and the deeper work, but that person and I are now friends and he ended up moving to Santa Barbara wine country and getting a ranch. And so we do talk about how they're like, I was drawn to that in him, you know, that's that, like he had that in him the whole time, even though he was a lawyer, a successful yeah. entertainment lawyer. And he's now in his mid fifties yeah, or late fifties. But I was, and he was kind of renegade and kind of rebel. And like, I always was drawn to that, even in that, but he had, he was a lawyer and he had the security. And so it like, it fit all the boxes and I couldn't let it go that like, he actually wasn't in a place to be loving or nurturing to me, but it, it opened my eyes, you know? So I've had like a circuitous route. Um, but basically the thing is like, I'm untamable. Mm. I just have a, I have a fire in me that, and I was going to say, how does your current, how does your partner make space for that? That Um, Well, he's stubborn in his own way. He does not (laughs) submit to me, which is probably part of the attraction. Like Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter. He won't, but he's not a fighter. I'm more of a fighter. 
He wants to just talk about it calmly and rationally. And he sees to the heart of whatever it is. Uh, but it is, I am probably drawn to his more like, I was thinking about this the other night, like we both are incredibly stubborn in our own way. Mm. And I probably wouldn't be attracted to someone who would bend to me, but he's more, um, yeah, he's, he's able to draw me out in conversation or, or bring me back to the heart. That's a really perfect segue because so much of your, and I know you have, um, have a program that's actually called journey, journey to the heart or back to the heart of the heart. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's interesting what's showing up in that group though. It's not relationship so much. I don't think actually in a grant, like based in, in my own work right now, it's like the, we're looking at everything outside of relationship and that's then informing relationship. Yeah. That's the key. So what's showing up a lot for these women and we've just started is, uh, this theme that I'm seeing of like, I'm letting, I I have to let go of this idea of achievement and it's going to create space for play. Now, you know, there are certain financial parameters that are needed for that. Some people have to work. I understand that um, working with me is at a higher price point for many. So it, I'm working with people who are by and large affluent, you know, already. So it's a, it's a different, it's a different thing than someone who's seeking, you know, financial security or whatever. So I have to, I have to uh, give that disclaimer, but what I'm seeing in my circles, let's say, this is coming up a lot that I'm seeing women who are like, if they have to work, they just want a job and they want to leave the job at the job. Yes. And then they want to live their life. Like the way people used to live, you know, for a lot of, for eighties, not like I want a job I leave the job. And then I go, and I'm even hearing people be like, I kind of just want to be a waitress or I want, like, I want something that requires physical. Like, I don't want to just sit and stare at a screen either. Yes. And there is this, there is definitely in the collective, uh, a desire to move more to, uh, what would be considered blue collar work. Yes. It's so interesting. You, you say that, and then I do it. I want to put a pin in just getting your, you to speak about what it means. You know, when people hear like a journey back to the heart, yeah. like what that actually kind of tangibly well, it's the way of the heart. So it's not, it's actually just the dropping into the heart as opposed to the intellectualization or, you know, a lot of what's come up so far. And again, we're very early in, but it's like, do I give myself permission to do things that are not outcome related, that are just joyful for the sake of joyful? I have um, a dear friend, it's the woman, and we're doing a retreat in September, and she uh-huh. was a former, um, she, you know, sits around this late 30s, she has two kids, she's married, but she was a former corporate litigator in DC, uh, mm-hmm. and and then became a yoga teacher and a meditation teacher and all that kind of stuff, and she and her husband, um, they were sort of playing around with all these different, they, they both work as yoga teachers, but he was there first, right? Mm -hmm. He was very much back to that dichotomy, the man who brought her into her body kind of thing. Um, They just opened 
this yoga studio in a tiny upstate town. And she was speaking of how she's like the act of washing the towels, cleaning the floors, like these daily practices. Chop wood, carry water. That's the key to enlightenment. <laughs> Did I talk to you about this? Like I, I, I like to clean my toilets. Like I find it grounding. I think, I don't know if I listened to you. I don't know. Maybe we did, but I hear what you're saying, but go run through the example. Just if people haven't heard just about the idea of like, um, so enlightenment, the idea of chop wood, carry water, right? This idea that it's, you know, we have again, this like consumerist capitalist thing of like, Oh, if you have, if, if you're a girl boss or you run your own thing, then you're somehow more evolved. There's a meme that's going around that I mentioned in another group that I run yesterday that says like, Hey, just so you know, women with, uh, norm, uh, regular jobs and normal bodies are winning at life too. Mm-hmm. Like it's almost like th- this idea of, having a grounded life is, and having to do things like manual labor. Like I despise going to the gym, but I love walking. I mean, my friends call me the energizer banner. Like if I'm in a city, like I will walk for miles and miles, but I don't, I don't like the smell of gyms, not like the sweat. I don't, I just don't like fluorescent lights or anything or whatever. But so one of the health practitioners I work with, she's like, just help chop wood and, and bring it and carry it. Like do things around the house that would be like that your ancestors did to keep fit. It's like everything is a construct now rather than the original thing. Yes, it completely. It's like, um, it didn't happen intentionally, but I, I got into this cadence of like weeding my garden into like taking chunks of time where I was either doing sessions or, or doing computer work and then stepping into a space where it's like with my hands of the earth doing the thing. Um, right. So it, 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 it's not the, I'm going to order this like hydroponic garden on Amazon. Like I don't have an, I don't have an herb garden. I'm just like pulling shit out of the ground and yeah. trying to make sure it's not poison ivy. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's not about like, oh, I'm going to have a garden. It's just like, it's this thing that's here that's being tended and to. Exactly. And like, you know, as someone who was raised in the city, it's like getting, getting my hands dirty it's yeah. something. And I go through spurts. I'm like, I'll, you know, I'll be like, oh my God, I have to, I have to weed the whole, you know, our yeah. land or whatever. But I feel like that is what's going on. You're you, okay. Yeah. Do you hear my pup? <laughs> I love him. <laughs> go downstairs. Sorry. You have to cut this. You're okay. No. We're at my parents' house. And so I think he's like, what's happening. He doesn't normally do that when I'm on a call. Um, so I feel like that, that thing of just working with what is, but getting, connecting to our body the way our ancestors did in a way that was built for survival. It's like, you know, I used to be such a restaurant person and now because I'm, I, I really am avoiding like seed oils and all the, you know, canola oil and you realize it's everywhere at every restaurant, et cetera. 
it's like my partner is an incredible, incredible cook and chef. But like, if you cook, you actually find often that you'll eat less because the aroma yeah. is actually then you feel like you've eaten. And like, it's a natural way to get your juices flowing. Like I'm not meant to be super thin. I'm not wired. I'm Eastern European stock. Like I'm, I'm just not, but I'm healthy and I'm strong. And I think like thinking about ourselves from the inside out versus the outside in is where we need to go if we are going to find equilibrium. How long this, this state of, of, um, if, if people either find themselves hungering for that, like deeper transition, whether it's like a recalibration around work or a move or, um, it's, it's so interesting. I was going to say a different perception around partnership, but I really do see it where it's happening in other facets for people. Mm-hmm. And then what's showing up in, in partnership is just mirroring that. So either if people, um, yeah, if, if they're sensing that in relation to the timing of Pluto and Capricorn, how long do you see? I mean, it's, it's a while, right? But it's a while. I mean, it's going to take a while to really integrate the Pluto in Aquarius, but I do think that you know, what was coming forward when you were speaking earlier and just speaking now came back to me is the idea of being able to distinguish between want and need Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and like, um, being able to recognize what is going to be the core that's going to feel fulfilling for you as an individual. Right. And so if you find yourself incessantly, if you find yourself a hungry ghost, you, do you know that term? Right. Like, yeah. it's like, okay, well then that's st- nothing outside is going to be, is going to satisfy that. So that's an inside out job. And so it takes a lot of self inventory and honesty to say, yeah, I'm attached to wanting this, but am I willing to let go of the want of it? It's not the thing. It's the want of the thing. Mm -hmm. So there has to be a willingness to release attachment, not just to the outcome, but to the wanting of it. Because think about that. Like, what if all of a sudden your want shift, which is a value shift, which is Venus and Venus is in an extended stay in Leo until October 8th with the retrograde July 22nd to September 3rd. It's like, heart-centered values. It's like, what and where do you draw values? And are you willing to shift your value system? Because that's what it is Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. underneath. Yeah. And I, I would go back to your, I mean, not to make such a blanket statement, but I think it's very easy for people to be like, but I'm living my values, but that space of, um, anxiety, depression, yeah. even just general unrest. Yeah. Like a lot of people, they're just like, I, I just, I'm, they're sort of like chewing on life and nothing really feels that good. Or it's just felt there's been this general malaise for a while. Um, or hollowness, that, hollowness, like you mentioned, right? It's like, what are you seeking and why are you seeking it? You know, I, I would say if I have an addiction, it's travel. And I'm, I started to realize like, if I'm just thinking about where I'm going to go next, like, am I really 
experiencing it? Am I really experiencing where I am? And really that, and I love to travel and I love, you know, sights and tastes and smells and sounds and cultures and landscapes. And, but I'm also like a big part of my journey to moving to the woods of Tennessee has been like finding peace and joy and stillness in the staying. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I went almost basically a year without traveling with the puppies because we got the puppies and everything. And it was really needed for my nervous system. And even like, I just, I did my Costa Rica retreat. And then I went to a sister's trip to Paris. And then we road tripped out here to Colorado to be with my parents for the summer. And I was like, this is a lot of movement. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a lot of movement. And it's just been interesting to clock like where in the, like Costa Rica was so nourishing to me, like the landscape that, and recognizing where I feel nourished and what, and that's even shifted. I used to be a massive city person and that's changing. And I'm like more interested in all the like small towns across America and the like revitalized main streets across America and, you know, uh, the natural, the national parks and, the state parks and that's, that's been all coming into my body. Mm. When you said, and I, I'll be mindful of our time, but when you were speaking about the slowdown, so like yeah. the, the pause from travel and there was some language you used there, but it made me think it can also be applicable to like the space of just being in a position or being in a relationship where there's not this need to sort of polish or improve or refine. yes or what's next or how can I, that is that like you know that saying there's no amount of self-improvement that can make up for a lack of self-acceptance mm-hmm. yeah it's like that right it's like yeah it this constant need to better oneself it's it's ironic but i find that like i the word coach doesn't really land for me, even though I haven't found another word for it. i know really right i'm warming but, up to like teacher yeah Or like mentor. But what I find is that with my clients, what my role seems to be is to strip back the layers. It's not about the achievement, the getting it's the, it's almost like the opposite. It's like the peeling back, the, the letting go, the softening, the coming into the real soul resonance, living in alignment in that way. Um, rather than, cause coach feels more like I'm coaching you to win this baseball yeah. game. Like, uh, that's not really, it's not me. And there are people who do that, but that's just not me or what I'm here for. So I feel like your karma is your Dharma type thing. Like I've gone on this journey and I'm still on it, but that's where I'm shepherding when I'm not giving like classic readings, you know, I have like that part of my work, but that I feel like is really my work mm-hmm. at a deeper level. Yeah, I, I relate. And I, I do, I want to um, make sure we have time just for you to, to share what you've got going on and what people can look out for, but very much so I don't. And and I think you're right. The, the term coach, it's been sort of the, given the, all this type of work, the thing that's, that's like, Oh, okay. I'll hang my hat on that. Um, but when I work with people, it's like, I just think of nested dolls. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. You know, we're just we're we're just working to 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 get back to that core, that element, whatever is housed yeah. within. 
whatever you need here to, to transition or to evolve, yeah. or move towards the thing you want is not housed in me. It's not something I'm going to plant into you. It's just yeah. in, in you. Um, and uh, I think kind of maybe to bring us full circle, it's like the, um, the element of like, I want this person or that job or the life that looks mm-hmm. a certain way. It's like that path, that, that yearning, that, that fighting for never brings us back to that. To yeah. That. I mean, a very simple prayer is that I say often is where would you have me go? Who would you have me be? Or what would you have me be? It's like, show me. You're the second person in 24 hours that has said that to me. <laughs> a, I use Literally. it all the time. <laughs> really? I guess it's trying to get through to you. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, it's, it's just so powerful. Yeah. Well, we could talk forever and I know, but Danny, what can we share with folks? Just, um, what you have coming down the pike or things to be aware of in terms of your program. So I am doing my second round of teaching astrology one-on-one, but it is highly interactive. It is, uh, it is rooted in the psychology and it's a layering in, and it's very human centered, right? So that starts July 12th. And then, uh, I'll be relaunching. So I did just completed cosmic rooting. I'm going to be doing cosmic rooting again, probably end of October. I open up my books about every two weeks for clients. So just one-on-ones. I don't, I don't want to be booked out six months out. So I release new sessions about every two weeks or so. So if anybody wants just like to dip their toe in and I do and then I do one-on-one support coaching and that's called Venus rising. So, and that's continual. And I have a a couple slots available for that. So that's really what's on the horizon, uh, for right now. And then uh, toying with a a six month, a six month journey. That's a mix of, uh, that's a mix of one-on-one and group and probably somewhere around the autumn equinox for that. Awesome. Um, well, I'll link to all that and your Instagram as well. Um, yes. thank you as always. It's like thank a, you for having me. Of we can do it again in September. We will. Yeah. We will. Okay. <laughs> We're going to have to. All right. Have a good night. You too. Lots of love. Bye. Bye. Bye.